0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty. Joined once again by Georgia State writer for the site Zeke Palermo. Zeke. Uh, it was another another good slate of uh, you know conference matchups straight up and down the board, except for App State. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of uh, surprising results uh, based on the way that we had kind of forecasted this week going. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it.
1: Yep, uh, I'm going to issue an apology today, uh, as well as we're going to be talking about some good games. So I'm excited to get into it.
0: All right. So let's start off with last Thursday. Uh, Southern Miss, uh, I mean, to be quite honest, handled Louisiana at home on Thursday night. Final score was 39-24. However, you know, this is sort of like that Texas State-App State game where the final score doesn't do justice to how quite one-sided it was. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point in this game in the second quarter – southern miss was up 29 to 5 uh i cut this game on when it was 13 to 2 with like four minutes to go in the in the first quarter and the this game is like i said is eerily similar to that texas state app state game because if you look at louisiana quarterback ben Waldridge's final stats you'd be like wow that's a lot of yards but when the game was like Somewhat within reach. I mean, he was—he had not been good, you yeah. know. uh I think—I think at the point where I cut it on, he had like less than forty yards passing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, you know, Zach Wilkie hits Jason Brownlee for a long touchdown pass, and it's twenty to two. And and from that point, it's almost like the game was just over. You know, Louisiana had dug themselves too deep of a hole. I'm gonna give credit to Southern Miss. I didn't foresee them just fully beating down the Cajuns like this. But, man, they handled their business.
1: Yeah, as I just said, I'm going to issue an apology to Southern Miss because I've been saying for the past couple weeks that they can't score points. And I was wrong. I mean, they dropped 39. I will um, add, however, Southern Miss's offense still not great. Um, their touchdowns came from, you mentioned that 79, uh, 76 yard pass to Jason Brownlee. There's also a, um, Frank Gore had a big old pass to, to Quell Mims for 52 yards. Those big chunk plays don't impress me. Uh, and this is going to maybe sound a little far-fetched. It's cool. It's cool to watch. That's not offense. Uh, I think anyone listening can agree that 76 yards, one play drive That's not offense. That's busting a coverage. That's beating your man, whatever. That's 14 points right there. I'm taking away from Southern Miss. There's also a safety, and there's also a pick six, and a field goal. Southern Miss did not score more than 14 true offensive points in this game. So I apologize to Southern Miss for saying they can't score, but I do not apologize to the Southern Miss offense.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, the offense is still not an all-world offense, despite yep. kind of the the performance they put on. I mean, i don't I don't even think I don't even think the most died in the wool. I don't think Brett Favre would disagree with that, you know. <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, Jason Brownlee hit Zach Wilkie hit Jason Brownlee for that second touchdown. Uh, Of the game in the second quarter, it was 29 to 5. And at that point, it it was like that was when Woldridge kicked into absolute like Blake Bortle's garbage time mode Mm -hmm. and just decided, hey, I'm just going to sling it all around the field. And it looks great at the end of the game, but it's one of those things where it's like if you watch the game, it was never, it wasn't close after the, the, I don't want to butcher this guy's name, Mims. Uh, yeah. caught, caught a touchdown from Frank Gore uh, on, on a halfback pass mm-hmm. um, After that point, like you said Wilkie hits Brownlee on the one play Louisiana goes down at the end of the quarter Has to settle for three And that was pretty much, like I said, the ball game I mean, Louisiana, despite the final stats like Struggled to manufacture offense Wooldridge turned the ball over three times Through three interceptions um, you know, Southern Miss's passing game still leaves a lot to be desired, but they do, they're sort of the same thing as Old Dominion was earlier in the season, but mm-hmm. Southern Miss has a better defense and can hold teams to fewer points than Old Dominion's defense was Old Dominion's defense. And I said this even like going into last week's like Georgia Southern game. Like there it was it was a lot of like smoke and mirrors. It, it there was no statistically when you look at it, you were like this is bad. Mm-hmm. And Southern Miss at, at you know, to their credit, does a great job of, of playing, you know, good defense. Now the one the one game they struggled was Troy, but we know Troy has a, has a top you know what, top one defense yeah, the best, in yeah. conference. so I mean yeah, that that's no You know, that's not taking anything away from them. But yeah, they just continue to manufacture points in in ways that don't feel sustainable, but they just keep doing it. So I almost have to be like, maybe maybe it is sustainable. I mean, they're not like you said, there's they they get some stuff from their special teams they get some stuff from their defense. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're scoring enough points to win games. That's I I hate to take it as, as basic as that, but that's the name of the game, you know?
1: They're scoring enough points, but you're getting the help from, as you mentioned, Woolridge's interceptions. You were out. Um, Louisiana have more yardage, more first downs. Beat them in pretty much every stat other than points. So, I know the Southern Miss. I mean, at five and three, it's hard to look over them. I mean, they're second in the West, um, so it's hard to look over them. Or I guess, I guess they're third because South Alabama has a better overall record. But um, and Troy
0: has beaten them head to head.
1: Yeah, so I guess they're three instead of two, but. It's hard to look at that record and say five and three. I mean, this team doesn't know what they're doing, but I there's just, as I said, I'm not seeing long drives. I'm not seeing real good. Um, I mean, you mentioned like there's only one drive on here, maybe two uh, that are real strong, seven, eight, nine, ten eight, nine, 10-yard drives that ended in touchdowns. So uh, credit to the defense for holding Louisiana. Um I know. Last week, we kind of were like, "Oh, maybe they're they're back to what we thought. They shook off the rust." But um, they played uh, the Cajuns play Troy next week, which will be another tough matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see more of what Southern Miss is made out of uh, as the year sort of winds down. You know, they have to play Coastal Carolina and South Alabama, mm-hmm. so. It just feels like if if anybody and I'm not saying it is because I feel like if if it's gone on this long, it's clearly working. But if anybody looks at this and goes, this is unsustainable, like we'll see in those two games whether it's really unsustainable or not, because those are those two teams are, are on a different level from the Texas states and the Arkansas states of the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll just see how that all all pans out in the coming weeks. But another good win for Southern Miss, man. They moved to five and three, three and one in Sun Belt play, like you mentioned. Louisiana drops to four and four and two and three in conference play. I thought Louisiana maybe had some things figured out, but it seems to it's it's back to the drawing board for the Cajuns. Uh, this yeah. this just feels like it's going to be a lot of growing pains in the first year of uh, DeSormo. Um so let's start off with Saturday's games. Uh, I'm looking at it here. Your team, the team that you cover for the site, Georgia State defeated Old Dominion 31-17. Um, I honestly did not watch a lot of this game because I knew you'd sort of be all over it. Yeah. And uh, anytime you know Georgia Southern's not playing, and I don't have to write something, I feel like I can kind of take the day to myself. Sure. And watch. Like football outside of the conference that I'm interested in, um, so yeah, I watched I watched a couple other games here and there, but yeah, man. Uh, once again, you know, we talked about Old Dominion last week when they played Georgia Southern. Did did they have issues in the red zone once again, or or what? What was sort of the the diagnosis here?
1: I I just think Georgia State played really really well. I mean, if I'm sure looking at the box score now, you'll notice Ali Jennings, who has been an absolute stud for Old Dominion, was just not an um, not a weapon in this offense. He only had three catches for 24 yards, um, even though he was targeted, I think, six, seven, eight times. Uh, Something that stood out to me, obviously, this Georgia State team, as I've said before, and I wrote in my preview for this game, they perform best when they run the ball. And I mean, obviously, that's true for most most balanced football teams, but Georgia state is not winning a football game unless they're rushing for two 15 to 20. And as a caveat to that, it's when Darren Granger, isn't the leading rusher uh, Darren Granger, the quarterback he passed for 195 yards, but he also led the game in rushing with 109 ground yards, which was bizarre. Um, but what really ultimately sealed the deal for me was just how well, Georgia State was able to hold on to the ball. They had a one-play touchdown. They had a two-play touchdown. But if you look at the drives, there were two second-half drives. They get This game went into half 14-14. Two second-half drives, Georgia State had an eight-minute drive and a 10-minute drive, both of those ending in scores, a touchdown and a field goal respectively. And that is why they won the game you go in half, half 14-14 and then you come out and you hold the ball on two drives alone that's a whole quarter. And I mean, anyone will tell you who you keep the opponent off the field, they're not going to they're not going to score. Um, it was just a, a really really good game from Georgia State. Uh, and an Old Dominion, they played fine. Hayden Wolf was fine, 19 for 34 for 250 yards. They could not run the ball. Blake Watson was a non-factor in this game. But taking Jennings out of the game really exposed Old Dominion's offense, because without him, they don't have. Javon Harvey had a great game, but I mean that's because he had a 61 yard reception. So you take um, Jennings out of that offense, and you really understand that Old Dominion is a solid defensive team, but they they really need Jennings to work.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've sort of reverted to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pre Coastal Carolina where. If they if there's not another element to that offense, you can sort of defer to if Jennings isn't working, or even even the games where Jennings is absolutely on, you know, if he turns in a hundred yards and a touchdown, you're like, wow, that's a great game for him. But they might lose, you know, thirty one seventeen or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it, it, Watson, the last couple of weeks, I mean, he looked okay in, against Georgia Southern, but this game, I mean, he was just like you said, like a non factor. Did Jennings seem like he was hobbled in this game? I know last week he seemed like he was having trouble kind of getting around a lot of times.
1: That was mentioned, but it didn't feel like he was necessarily running any worse. The announcers kind of touched on that, how, you know, last week he looked a little banged up. And there were questions about his availability for this game just a little bit. But I don't think he was running particularly poorly. He just was not getting open and he wasn't making the plays that he typically does. Uh, Seriously, all credit to Georgia State's uh, pass defense because up to this point, there were games, I mean, you'll remember the Southern game where it was looking in App State last week or two weeks ago, I believe it was. No, it was last week, uh, where that secondary just looked porous as all get out. So credit to them for being able to shut out one of, if not the best uh, receivers in the Sun Belt.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh like you mentioned, Granger did it did it pretty much all himself offensively. I mean, mm-hmm. 195 yards passing, a touchdown, 109 yards rushing, a touchdown. Uh yeah, man, not much more to say. It was it was a complete performance on Georgia State's part, you know, especially in the second half, holding old Dominion to just three second half points total after going into a halftime tied. Georgia State moves to three and five this season, two and two in Sunbelt play old dominion drops to three and five and two and two in conference play you know two weeks ago old dominion was head and shoulders the, the best team in the east was the only remaining undefeated team and after beating coastal and is now just kind of sunk to the middle of the pack where you have like three or four or five sunbelt east teams just all kind of hanging out you know trying to trying to break away but yeah
1: I mean, honestly, with the exception of Marshall, I think everyone's still in contention for that uh that East spot in the championship game.
0: Well, I, I think it all depends on if Coastal loses again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the sole team, I think, that has one conference loss in the East. Yep. Um, and if nobody nobody trips them up, then it's a pretty open and shut deal as far as who's going to represent the East in the, the conference title game. But if someone does catch them again, like, like old dominion did then we've got you know a whole new ball game where everybody's sort of in play um but yeah so let's get to this next game here we can blow past this one pretty easy i mean both of us saw this coming app state defeats uh, fcs robert morris 42 to 3 uh this game is a little more balanced offensively for the mountaineers than i would have expected uh going into it just because i mean you know it, it's not too much of a stretch to say that App State has a, a lot better talent than this Robert Morris squad does. Um, you know, Chase Bryce threw for one eighty five, threw for four touchdowns, four touchdowns at one hundred eighty five yards. Pretty, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's a weird ratio.
0: Yeah, uh, and then uh, rushing wise, I mean, they had a bunch of guys chip in two hundred eighty seven yards rushing. They ran for six and six point seven per carry. Um, yeah, I mean. Neither of us are surprised by this result. It was a pretty pretty clear domination that we you know weren't there were, there were it was nothing uh, that came up that we didn't account for.
1: No. Uh I thought Nate Newell obviously only had 5 touches, but if you take out his 40-yard rush, uh, then I believe it was fairly early in that game he broke that off. You take that out, he still got four carries for 40 something yards, which is I think uh really good for him because we've been talking about how this team needs uh their running backs to step up over the past couple weeks. Um, so good to see Noel get back into that offense. Obviously, only five carries, but he was averaging, excluding his forty yard rush, he's still averaging about twelve yards per carry. So good to see him get um, some yardage out of those touches.
0: Yeah, he's a he's he's their big play threat for sure. Well, while, mm-hmm. while you know Peoples pretty much handles. I don't want to say the grunt work, but I mean, the guy's 6'2", 225. You know, yeah. he's not he's not the the same type of home run hitter as Noel, who's 5'10", 185. Uh, But App State moves to five and three this season. Robert Morris, 0 and 8. Uh, get into this next game here. I, I don't I don't know how, even how much we, we're going to want to discuss this. I mean, to be honest, but South Alabama just absolutely steamrolls Arkansas State. You know, South Alabama was probably uh, angry coming off of that performance that they had Mm -hmm. against Troy scoring just six offensive points. Well, LaDamian Webb let the the Red Wolves have it. Uh, (laughs) The guy (laughs) ran for 162 and three touchdowns uh, and pretty much paced that entire offense. I mean, South Alabama scored 14 points in the first quarter, and they could have just taken their foot off the gas if they wanted to, but, man... Webb just absolutely smashed the Red Wolves defense. I mean, this is another game where that that's pointing towards, uh, you know, you, you know, an hourglass and how like same yeah. it's just, uh, I feel like we're getting towards the end of the Butch Jones hourglass at Arkansas State. Um, if there's many more losses to conference opponents like this, and I know we're only in year two, but they haven't looked any better than, than they did in year one. Uh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, luckily they get, uh, they get UMass next, so hopefully a team they can beat up on. But I want to talk about LaDamian Webb. I think we talked um, after the loss to Troy about how poor he had been playing. I mean, he just disappeared after the bye week. Uh, he went from 22 touches against Louisiana to nine against Troy and ULM combined. But then he comes out and has this game, 28 carries, and he had more yards against Arkansas State than he had in his four previous games. Uh, so, uh, again, much like Noel, it's just really, really good to see him get back integrated into that offense and do something with his touches because South Alabama as, you know, Carter Bradley's a fine quarterback, but you're not going to do much if you don't have a, a running back to take the brunt work out of, uh, Bradley's hands.
0: Well, uh, th- yeah. So that, that's also one of the things we discussed last week that I, I, I noticed specifically was, South Alabama, in a one-score game last week against Troy, did not commit to running the football at any point. I Mm -hmm. mean, when you take out Carter Bradley's, you know, quote-unquote carries, a.k.a. sacks or whatever, um, you know, the rest of their running back group had 16 combined carries, and they threw the ball 41 times with Bradley in a game that they were never down by more than one score. In this one, it was good to see, and I know it's it's easy to say in a game where you win by you're up by four touchdowns or whatever, but it is good to see that they are, I guess, sort of making a recommitment to to trying to be more balanced and run the football some. Because I think I think Webb's a pretty good running back, but you know I think he had four carries last week. I mean, not many people outside of maybe Nate Noel. Or, or Kalen Laybourne or somebody like that are going to be able to do much with four carries for an entire game. Um, you know, out, elsewhere outside of those guys, uh, like you said, Bradley had a pretty good game, pretty pedestrian, but it was fine, fine. He hear the football. 179-1 yeah. one score threw it to Jalen Wayne, who had 83 yards and a score, had that score. Uh, Arkansas State, James Blackman, yuck. Uh, 22-39, 177, they still can't run the ball, so we don't even have to mention that. And uh, Jeff Foreman, uh, their receiver, is was pretty much the only one that could get open, it seemed like, against the Jaguars secondary. But, yeah, like I said, I just, I've, I've yet to be impressed by a single performance that Arkansas State has had in their two years under Butch Jones. So, I don't know, man. I, I just I, – no, I didn't really believe in Butch Jones to start with, and th- these two years haven't given me much to, to build off of that.
1: Uh, I'm with you on that. I don't think Butch Jones is long for this team. Um, but I, if he hasn't gotten the ax yet, I don't know what they're waiting for. He played Texas State and Troy, and then as I mentioned, UMass uh, 10 days from now. So uh, I'm not quite sure what they're waiting on.
0: I mean, there's a chance that UMass is their last win of the season. I mean, the way that they're playing as of late, mm-hmm. they could lose to Texas State and Troy to end the season and be 3-9 and nine when it's all said and done. And I'm fairly sure they won like two games last year or maybe three games. So back-to-back three-win seasons in Jonesboro, man, I just don't see that cutting it. They, um,
1: they won two games uh, last yeah. year. They beat Central 50, 50, Arkansas
0: and UL Monroe. Woohoo! Fifty percent improvement.
1: Right. Um,
0: so anyway, uh, <laughs> South Alabama moves to six and two in in for the season. Three and one in, in the Sun Belt. Uh, Arkansas State drops to two and seven and one and five in Sun Belt play. It's always tough when you've gotten lapped by ULM, a team that three years ago didn't win a single game. Right. Um, so. Getting into this Coastal Carolina-Marshall matchup, this was strange. Um, so, Caelan Leborn coming into this, we had agreed, I think, was the best singular running back in the Sun Belt because he gets all the work. Um, he did not look good in this game mm-hmm. against a, a Coastal Carolina defense that had just gotten gashed a couple weeks ago by Blake Watson and Old Dominion on the ground. This is his worst, I think his worst performance of the season. 59 yards on 16 carries, scored a touchdown, but 26 of those came on one touch. So for the rest of the game, he had, what, 33 yards on 15 touches? Um, And then they had Cam Fancher throw the ball 37 times for 320 yards. He was, again, fine. I mean, those stats are fine when you consider, like, uh, that they he didn't throw a touchdown or, or a pick,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: how, if you're coastal, how do you win a game that you only have 270 yards of total offense by double digits <laughs> against a team that was supposed to be one of the best rushing attacks in the conference?
1: Well, and I'm I'm going to concede right now. I don't know. I'm not. I don't keep up to date um, with Marshall's day-to-day injury reports. But I believe we had both we'd both said Kalen Laybourne is performing as the best running back in the conference. But I don't think either of us said that he was the most talented running back. And it looks like Coastal Carolina's front seven was able to just beat out Marshall's front five. I mean, yeah. look at what Ali did last year. Um, and I mean, our, our claim here that Laybourne isn't the most talented is substantiated that. They had another. Uh, I guess they were in CUSA at that point, leading rusher Rashin Ali, and then they just flipped the switch, have a new guy, no problem. Um, so I, I'm given pause when talking negatively about layborn's game because I'm curious what was happening up front. And again, I'll, I'll concede I didn't watch every snap of this game, and so if there may be a Marshall listener, Marshall fan that's listening that you know knows everything about what happened here. And is making us look stupid. But there's something there. Uh, I don't think that Laybourne just had a poor game. Something else was going on there. Uh, You mentioned Fancher. He was fine. Um, But Marshall just needs to score more points. I I mean, they turned the ball over twice, which is going to kill you. And you turn the ball over twice, that's 14 points he lost. And you score on those two drives, it's 27-24. So those uh, those turnovers, I think, are really – you asked about the the yardage. I think that's kind of the big thing there.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coastal jumped out to that big lead at the Mm -hmm. end of the first quarter. Uh, McCall scores two touchdowns. Their backup, Bryce Carpenter, punches in a three-yard run. And then Coastal, I don't know if they meant to do this or not, but they kind of just took their foot off the gas and was like, hey, we're just going to chill the rest of this game because – they didn't do much, but the game was never really in doubt. Uh, you know, it, it was a one score game after the first quarter, briefly in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a strange game. I mean, like you said, Marshall needs more out of their passing game to, if they want to get where they need to be, to be like a contender in the East or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because putting it all in the shoulders of one running back, whether that be Laybourne or Ali is not sustainable. I mean, we talked about it with ODU. It's just the opposite of the path. It's the opposite of their passing game. Yeah. Their, their entire offense is throw it to Ali Jennings, the third and Marshall's is just run it with whoever's back there a bunch and hope it all kind of shakes out in the wash. And like I said, credit to Coastal Carolina, credit to Coastal Carolina's front seven. We didn't think that they were going to be able to contain this no. Marshall running game, and they did it seemingly with ease. So, yeah, maybe they've figured some things out from a couple weeks ago uh, and made some defensive adjustments from, from when they got killed by Blake Watson. But, yeah, full credit to them. They seem to have sort of righted the ship after that that loss to Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, Coastal Carolina moves to seven and one and four and one in conference play. Marshall drops to four and four and one and three in the Sun Belt. So let's look ahead to this week. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Tomorrow is going to be one of the biggest games in the Sun Belt East that the Sun Belt East will see this year. App State is going to travel to Conway, South Carolina, to take on Coastal. Um, App is a three-point road favorite. Um, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take App here. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, App. Neither one of these teams has been consistent. You sure. know, it, it's yep. like Coastal started off the season playing inferior, competi- playing down to inferior competition. App has looked really good at times. And then really bad, like second half against James Madison, the entire game against Texas State. I I know that they have it in them to completely go out there and lay an egg. However, unless unless whatever coastal changes that were made going into last week against Marshall hold in this one, I just think App is once again going to be able to run the ball and I, I saw this play out last year. I know App had a more talented team overall last year, but they really beat up Coastal uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And Chadwell always seems reluctant to just sort of hand the keys to the offense over to McCall and mm-hmm. sort of just let him sling it, even if it's the right thing to do statistically, game flow, stuff like that. I'm going to take App. I mean, I don't. I don't I don't know like if that's the right pick, but that's just sort of what my gut is telling me.
1: Yeah, I'm every you know inch of my being that cares even a little bit about football is, it hates to say this out loud, but this seriously is gonna be a game where whoever has the ball last is probably gonna win, right? Uh, I think these offenses can match each other fairly well. Uh, I mean McCall and Bryce are, I don't know if we want to call them comparable in skill, but they're comparable statistically. And these rushing games are roughly comparable statistically. So this is seriously just going to be like, who's going to get the ball last? Is it going to be Bryce where he can sling the ball, you know, for 60 yards over the course of a drive in the final two minutes, or is it going to be coastal where they're going to be a little bit more methodical with it, but they're going to kick a field goal to win it. So That's my thought. Um, Obviously, you can't predict that. So I'm going to say Coastal because I think they have a better chance to score on that last drive than. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to take App State because I believe they have a better chance to score on that final drive than Coastal does. Um, You know, if you put them in overtime, I think App State would win using the NCAA's college or the uh, NCAA's overtime rules. So. I like App State here as well, but like not confidently by any means.
0: Yeah, so this one's going to be an interesting, I think, stylistic matchup because ideally, App does not want Chase, the, the entire offense to fall on the shoulders of Chase Bryce. I don't no. think I'm wrong saying that.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Now, but the but here's the kicker. Coastal's def- pass defense is significantly worse than their run defense. I mean, they're they're surrendering almost 300 passing yards per game. On yeah. the flip side of that, it's kind of going back to what I just said. McCall can't. I mean, McCall can throw the ball pretty well, but Chadwell never wants to like let him go into you know a, a three four wide set and just let him sling it for a while until the other team can stop him. App's pass defense has shown to be not as good as the ability to stop the run. So I think this is going to be which team stops banging their head against the wall and does the obvious thing, you know, let their quarterback go out there and try to win them the football game rather than play it safe, run the football, you know, try to, try to break a couple, you know, play action passes out and, and hope that that's enough to win it. I think they're going to have to kind of break from their their tendencies, and I think it's going to come down to whoever does that. I feel yeah. more confident that App is going to do that uh, than I than I am Coastal because, like, like, I just haven't seen Chadwell turn McCall loose yet in a game this year. I feel like everything has been hyper, hyper managed. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that all pans out.
1: Yeah, can I jump in real quick about that Chase Bryce slinging the ball thing and how yeah. they they don't want that. Um, yeah. This, as you mentioned, this is going to be a game in where that might be what ends up happening, just because of the nature of this game. It's going to be pretty tight uh, score wise, and as I mentioned, I think it could come down to a two minute drill. Chase Bryce is four and nine in his career in games in which he's throwing over thirty passes, um, and you can take that trend and digest it however you want. To me, that means if App State does end up just slinging the ball, they are going to lose it. I know that count, uh, contradicts what I said five minutes earlier, but if this if the situation plays out where it's Bryce throwing the ball like nobody's business because of Coastal's um, – because of the nature of this game, App State historically is going to lose this matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean to me the, that signals more of they get down in games and need points fast sure and then it just becomes we have to we have to throw the football like we can't just run the ball and hope like that texas state game is a perfect example they they were down so much they couldn't just run the football and hope it all worked out like mm-hmm. it was it was going to be over like completely dead dead doornail if they hadn't so yeah i mean that's what that signals more to me however i think this game is going to be fairly close and i think it's all going to come down to whether Each each coach is going to let their quarterback sling it, and then Mm -hmm. we'll have to see how that pans out. Um, So starting off on Saturday, we got a two o'clock kickoff. Marshall travels to Norfolk to take on Old Dominion. Um, Marshall's a three point favorite. Over under is forty six and a half. Um, I don't feel confident taking either of these teams. To be quite honest, sure. uh, both of them are on sort of a, a skid as of late. And I know I know Marshall two weeks ago beat James Madison, but James Madison had a backup quarterback. So I, I don't want to take that away from them, but I'm also not going to give them full – I'm giving them partial credit like if I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but they already have three conference losses this year. On the flip side, Old Dominion's kind of been exposed the last couple weeks against the two schools from Georgia – the over/under so low at forty-six and a half. I'm just going to take the over and hold my nose and and hope that both of these teams can score 20, 23 plus each. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Based on uh, how how Old Dominion played last week against Georgia State, I feel fairly confident taking Marshall um, because they're capable and probably will play the same way Georgia State did. Um, this deep the Marshall defense. Mind you, they held Grayson McCall to 120 yards. They held um, the uh, Billy Atkins to only 160 when uh, he was at, you know, when Santeo was out. So this team is capable of keeping um, Jennings out of the game for some portion, to some extent, as much as you can for a guy who's going to lead the conference in receiving yards by, you know, at least 100. Point to that as well Laybourne, assuming he doesn't put up a stinker like he did against Coastal, he's going to shred through that defense like uh, like Georgia State did. They're going to run the ball. They're going to have eight, seven, seven, eight, nine minute drives, and that's going to keep Old Dominion off the field. And it, I think this could look a lot like the Georgia State game.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if nothing else, Southern and State have sort of provided the the groundwork for how to beat Old Dominion mm-hmm. and. I know that Jennings's ankle last week, you know, at least 2 weeks ago it gave him issues. Like you could visibly tell. Now last week he didn't perform all that well. So uh, once again, if you sort of take him and kind of put him off to the side and say, you know, he'll have a little nice game but he's not going to be the monster he had been, you know, the the first 6 5 games of the season or whatever. I I just don't I don't see a way that Old Dominion man- manufactures enough offense to win this game. And I know Marshall can run the football in the last, like I said, the last two weeks have shown that Old Dominion really can't stop the run. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take Marshall, but I wouldn't bet Marshall if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, all right. So getting into the three o'clock game. Uh, we've got your Georgia State Panthers traveling to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. Southern Miss is a two point home favorite. This is going to be an interesting, I think litmus test for Southern Miss uh, because we talked about sustainability Mm -hmm. in their game last week and how it wasn't sustainable to get a bunch of safeties and pig sixes and one play touchdowns and stuff. Well, Golden Eagles, show us, show us you can keep yeah.
1: this
0: going. So, I think I'll take Southern Miss, but I, this is another one of those like hold my nose and take them, take them.
1: I agree with you. I'm despite the three game win streak and four wins in the last five, I don't feel comfortable picking Southern Miss here. Um, however, we talked about non sustainability. Darren Granger is fully capable of throwing two interceptions this game. And that could be all Southern Miss needs. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as cliche as it is, it comes down to the quarterback play from Granger. If he has one of those days where you're like, mm, you should just play running back, man, where he's throwing the ball <laughs> 17 times and only completing nine passes. If he has one of those performances, I think Southern Miss could. Take this one by at least a score, but assuming Granger, who's had some solid games against Old Dominion, played well against App, um, I could I I see Georgia State winning this one.
0: Yeah, I I just uh, Southern Miss has a a better defense, like almost to a hundred yards per game, better than Georgia mm-hmm. State, and I know Southern Miss's offense has been spotty it's been ugly it hasn't been there's not been a lot of consistency zach wilkie turns the ball over just as much as he throws touchdowns Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um with all that said like you said darren granger the clock could strike midnight he could turn into a pumpkin at any point and you just have no idea when that is yep um so yeah i mean i'll take southern miss I don't like. I said I don't know that the way that they scored points either last week was sustainable. But we'll have to we'll have to see if it holds. I don't. I don't know. I I still don't know how to make heads or tails of the Southern Miss team. To be totally sure. honest, um, four o'clock. South Alabama is going to travel to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. South Alabama is a four point road favorite over under 60 and sixty and a half. Um, I think it's fair to say. Georgia Southern will not be trying to run the football in this game Mm -hmm. uh, with South Alabama giving up 86 yards per game. Now I could be wrong because I was wrong about how they approached the old dominion game. Uh, However, I think they're going to have to air out the football with uh, van trees because you know, we saw it last week Webb can definitely, you know, take advantage of a defense is giving him space I'm going to hesitantly take Georgia Southern at home here. And the only reason is they play significantly better at home in Paulson than they have on the road. And that's been a pattern going back, you know, not counting last year because they were awful both places, but going back the last couple of years, they've been significantly a better football team all around, both defensively and offensively at home than they have been on the road. So, I'm going to take the Eagles plus four. Um, Now, this could come back to totally bite me, but that's just kind of my read on it.
1: Yeah, Uh, I like this game uh, because – or I like South Alabama rather in this game because both of these offenses are ridiculously, ridiculously high scoring. I mean uh, Southern dropped 28 – which isn't a ton, but then dropped 45 against James Madison. When they played Ball State going back a couple of weeks ago, they played thirty uh, dropped thirty-four. And even in their losses to Georgia State and Coastal, they were dropping 33 and 30. Now you look over to South Alabama, beat Arkansas State 31 points. Uh obviously beating Troy, or losing to Troy rather, but that's Troy, best defense in the conference. ULM dropped 41. Uh Louisiana only 20, but then Louisiana Tech 38. So these offenses are really, really good. But I just like South Alabama's defense a lot, lot more. I, I think South uh, Southern plays up tempo because they have to. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean their defense means you have to score high as well. Poor defense, good offense. That's what their shtick is. Whereas South Alabama scores a lot, but they play really good defense. Uh, so I, I can't speak to Southern's. Um, proficiency at home but I, I just from a football standpoint I like South Alabama
0: yeah I mean this is a limited sample but Georgia Southern is let's see three and0 at home this year mm-hmm. um, elsewhere they' are two and three so yeah marginally better at home but I just I could foresee this game actually going the way of the James Madison game. To be totally honest, like coming in, you're going to go, South Alabama's got a really good defense. A couple weeks ago, we said James Madison had a really good defense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's all about it, it's different. Like, and I know that we're trying to project this, so this is going to contradict what I'm about to say. It's different just taking stats like from a page and then trying to project that onto two teams that haven't, you know, spent all week watching film, scouting the other team, all that kind of stuff. I think both teams are going to have to score points like you mentioned. Um, And I just don't – I don't know if – like, South Alabama, like, if the ball game falls into Carter Bradley's hands and Carter Bradley has to win in the game, can he do it? Mm -hmm. You know? And I could be totally wrong on this, but I've seen Van Trees do it this year because he has to do it pretty much every week except last week. So – or two weeks ago. So – I'll, I'll hesitantly take Georgia Southern, but right. again, don't feel great about it. Um, getting into the five o'clock, ki- 5 o'clock Eastern time kick, Troy is traveling to Lafayette to take on Louisiana. Troy's a 5.5 point favorite, over-unders 43. Give me Troy minus 5.5. Louisiana, I would be shocked if Louisiana scored three offensive touchdowns in this game. Um you know, they we thought that they had some stuff figured out when they played uh, Marshall and Arkansas State. Turns out last week, not the case. Mm-hmm. So, I think Troy just takes their smothering defense and just absolutely shuts down anything the Cajuns' offense can do.
1: Yeah, I am with you on that. I think, uh, especially with how mediocre Woolridge played last week, uh, they don't really have a guy that you can look to in that offense to say, "Hey, they're beating us." just go make a play. They, they, I feel like um, Louisiana lacks that right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't have much to add because I feel like it's pretty shut and closed. Troy's going to hold them to, as you said, probably less than 18, less than 17, maybe 17 on the dot. And, I mean, Troy's going to score enough to win. They're not going to blow them out, but they're going to beat them by a field goal, by a touchdown, just by nature of that defense.
0: Yeah. That's how I feel as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the f- Another 5 o'clock Eastern time kick. Texas State going to Monroe to take on the Warhawks. ULM's a one-and-a-half point home favorite over-unders 52. I'm going to take Texas State. This is another one I don't feel great about. But the win over App and the fact that they turned around the next week and lost by three to Troy after that. That's probably the best two-game stretch that both Texas State or ULM has had this season. Um, because even when you go back and you look at ULM's win over Louisiana, in hindsight now that that win doesn't look as impressive um, considering they, they turned around the week after that and got beat by 17 against Arkansas State. I think Texas State is able to move the ball with Lane Hatcher. Um, UL Monroe is just so... They're so hot and cold. Chandler Rogers is so hot and cold. He's he's like Sunbelt West Darren Granger, where one week you're like, wow, this guy looks great. And then the next week you're like, has he seen the football game before? Mm-hmm. Like, it, Not not has he played in it. Like, Has he seen a football game played? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this is another one where I'll, I'll hesitantly take Texas State. I, I recognize that Ewell Monroe could easily show up and just absolutely look great. In this one, but I'm gonna take the Bobcats.
1: Yeah, this game uh honestly could just be a real stinker. In the month of October, these teams combined for one win. Uh note, although shout out Texas State, beat up state. That was an impressive win for them. But this game is uh not gonna be the most sound game of football uh to be played this year. With that said, um I agree with you about the concerns with UL's offense or ULM's offense, but I just can't te- take Texas State on the road. Um, something about that team just doesn't sit right with me this season on the road. They're zero um, and four, and I just can't imagine going in to a team like UL Monroe, which I have more faith in. I have more faith in the Bowden Warhawks than I do the Spavital Bobcats, so. Uh, I just got to take Monroe by nature of having more faith in him.
0: That's fair. Um, that's not one I feel super strongly either way about, but sure. I, I just like more of what I've seen from Texas State versus you, Monroe. Monroe. Um, so the last game of the night, 7.30 Eastern time kick on ESPNU. James Madison is going to travel up here where I live to Louisville mm-hmm. uh, to take on the Cardinals. What a difference four, you know three four weeks makes. If, yeah. if this game is played three weeks ago, James Madison's probably a one point favorite on the road against a, a power five opponent. But they lose to Southern. They they lose a really ugly game a couple weeks ago to Marshall with their backup quarterback playing. I think I have heard Centeno will be ready to go for this game. Now that could things could change. But I, I've heard that with the with the the week off last week and then the game before having sat against Marshall, whatever his undisclosed injury is, I think is supposed to be good enough to suit up. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Louisville has been on fire like the last three weeks. I mean, you wouldn't have thought about thought this like weeks and weeks ago, but their defense looks better. They forced six turnovers in one quarter against number 10 Wake Forest last week Mm -hmm. uh, in an upset that I absolutely 100% did not see coming. I'm going to take Louisville. I just, I like what I've seen more recently out of them football wise. I'm interested to see how they match up with Centeo and the Dukes, but James Madison, the last two weeks that they've actually played football look mortal now where they looked amazing to start the season.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I have to say pretty much the same. Even with Senteo, I mean, Louisville will uh, Wake Forest, ranked number 10 last week. And, uh, I mean, if that just isn't like a litmus test of where they actually are compared to James Madison, James Madison has dropped two straight to Southern and Marshall, who I feel like we can both agree are on the lower half of Sunbelt teams. Yeah, so. Uh,
0: it's, it's just a glut of middle teams. Yeah. I mean, the Marshall loss is ugly, but. Santeo didn't play so i'm Mm -hmm. willing to sort of give them a pass but georgia southern's in that glut of middle teams that everybody but marshall and coastal is just stuck in the middle right now no I,
1: i agree with you but regardless i mean i refuse to believe that if after beating wake forest who's still got playoff aspirations or maybe not now that they've got a uh now they've got two losses but Going into Louisville, I can't imagine Cardinal Stadium is like typically, and you may be able to speak to this as someone who lives there. But I, I can't imagine it's typically very raucous. But this is going to be a a big game, I think, for them, uh, especially the seven thirty kickoff.
0: I think it's going to be rocking coming off of the the win last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody, I don't, I don't think anybody in in their right minds, even people that live up here, expected them to not just beat the number 10 team in the country, but to beat them by 27 points, they had two pick sixes in one quarter. They had six turnovers forced by Wake Forest in one quarter. I mean, it it was just, it was domination essentially. I mean, they pulled Sam Hartman like midway through the third Mm -hmm. or something. And he was like, when I say dark horse, I mean a real dark horse Heisman type contender, but yeah, I mean, I think Louisville's figured figured some things out. I think it's going to take James Madison maybe another week to get up to speed, but the good good thing for them is this game doesn't count toward their conference schedule, so it's sort of like a an exhibition measuring stick to see where they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, with uh, with looking ahead to their next couple games, you got Old Dominion, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, all three of those pretty losable. I mean, Coastal Carolina especially, but I think Old Dominion and State Georgia State are uh, both very losable games. So having a, a game against Louisville where you don't have to necessarily worry. like Obviously, you want to win. You're, you're never playing for a loss. But you're more okay losing if you can figure some things out that weren't quite, quite right when you played Marshall uh, a week ago or two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that does it uh, for the Week 10 slate of football games. Zeke, what game... Are you looking forward to this upcoming week?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, App State Coastal, as you mentioned when you introduced that game, is probably going to be the most exciting game out of the slate. Um, but obviously, but then that's on a Thursday, so we're going to be watching that anyway. Uh, if you're not watching the NFL outside of that, I think Texas State, UL Monroe, has potential to be interesting. I, I know I kind of dunked on both of those teams earlier and said it'll be a stinker, but stinkers can still be fun um and then i really just want to see if southern miss is legitimate or if they're gonna pull some another rabbit out of the hat or if georgia state is gonna you know kill that streak they're running on
0: yeah i, I mean Abstate state and Coastal's to the pick for me too mm-hmm. um i think the other game that i'm looking forward to is actually marshall and old dominion sure um i think both of these teams need a win desperately you know old dominion's been beat up the last couple weeks uh marshall as much as we want to give them credit for the james madison win i mean they beat a i think the guy was a true freshman playing in his first game Mm -hmm. in college against them um so you kind of throw that one out even though it counts um but both of these teams need to establish some sort of momentum um and i think this is a a good opportunity for you know, I think Marshall's going to do that, but we'll have to see how that all pans out. Um, so Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, let people know where they can find you on social media.
1: I am on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. That's where I post my, uh, my Georgia State stories, um, post about the podcast or any other uh, typically football-related ramblings. Brian, I know you're on Twitter as well.
0: Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Yeah, that will do it for, for week 10 coming up here soon. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.